Well, welcome back, my audience of Illuminated Channel Champions. And if you're new, welcome and hold on to your screen. Because today, just as much as I'm excited, I'm also a bit on edge because I have to face a couple of demons that have been coming up. Um, the first demon is, what is an ecosystem? I've been getting asked that a lot, and we're going to answer that today. Uh, and I'm humbled and thrilled to have uh, Alan Adler on the channel. Alan has been studying business partnerships, dare I say, if I'm allowed, for about 40 years, probably 40 years. Uh, business coach, he's an investor, advisor, consultant to the who's who of the most progressive tech companies, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and in particular, uh, uh, those companies, tech companies that are driving the current phenomena of, you're going to love this, Alan, the ecosystem economics. I made that up about two seconds ago. He's the inventor and, uh, and, and creator of uh, the go-to ecosystem framework, of which we will be relying on today to answer some questions, and also the managing partner, of course, of Digital Bridge Partners. Equally, I have Scotty Froome, my longtime business partner, uh, founder and president of, and CEO of iasset.com. He's actually been building businesses in the partner organization for about 40 years. So we're probably between us, we've got 120 years of, uh, of, of information to share. Uh, and I feel like I'm a little bit in a similar place to when I interview the likes of Jay McBain, where I have mega brains as long as met with mega brawn, and I get to wrestle with you both. So it's going to be fun. But gentlemen, if you can indulge me for a minute, um, I'm going to cover a lot of things. But I want to uh, provide you with a little bit of prose from an exchange that I had recently with a global distributor, um, who and it's gotten me in a little bit of bother, all right? So if you indulge me for a minute, I'm going to read it to you because I want your opinion. And the, the, the response I gave to a long conversation was, was this. Imagine an ecosystem-centric transaction platform that meets the ultimate technology procurement needs of the customer, the ultimate consumer, but driven by the channel that serves it, rather than a myriad of isolated portals or tools that satisfy only the vendor's needs. Because the reality check is customers buy components and things, particularly procurement, and that's after the tech decision has been made. They want their trans transactions always to be frictionless, and those serving the customer want an ecosystem-centric CPQ to transact the net new opportunities with the expansion and the extend and retirement opportunities of those assets in mind from the beginning, not as an afterthought. This requires a single platform, not a set of tools that don't integrate. So what I'm saying is partner success leads to customer success, but partner success means operating in an ecosystem of stakeholders that drive a customer decision, living together to drive the best customer outcome possible. Why? Because no technology lives in isolation. And in a SaaS world, which is now uh, uh, technologies, uh, uh, driving digital transformation and they are consumed monthly. They're on demand and they're in the cloud. They're not on-premises or they're being moved from on-premises. And that requires a hell of a lot of transactions that are, that are hopefully anticipated, but at best automated, deployed, built, fulfilled in a frictionless manner. Equally, no reseller uh, or service provider or buyer or prime contractor can live in isolation away from that ecosystem. They must combine to achieve the customer success that the technology users are demanding. Gentlemen, tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I think the first question we should answer is like, why aren't we retired? <laughs> I mean, so after we get past that one and assume that it's either because we're like so fascinated with what we're doing or it's because we have still got more stuff to say. Um, I, I think that I could have written that. So I think you were pretty spot on, you know, that the, the, the days of, you know, of, uh, you know, people going it alone and uh, trying to get customers to buy, you know, monoth you know, 
monolithic products in an ecosystem environment are over. And whether the vendor themselves is providing an environment which creates a marketplace or there's middle middlemen who have stood up, uh, some of whom I know are pretty, pretty awesome at this, at you know, creating this what we've coined, you know, ecosystem CPQ. Uh, there needs to be an aggregation point. And uh, you know, that's that's not unique because there used to be an aggregation point called wholesale distribution, but that was built on a physical model pick, pack, ship, credit, and the like. And the physical model has increasingly been eroded by digital transformation. So now we need new forms of aggregation that are more pertinent to the digital environment. And uh, that's what makes ecosystems exciting and also what makes companies like iAsset important. Thank you for that. Um, I feel a bit better. Scotty, you won't be surprised um, that that came, I won't name names, but that came from a very, very large distributor. Now you've built some of the most successful distributors on the planet. What's your take on that? I think the, look, the interesting thing is um, when I go in and have uh, advisory sessions with the distributors that we deal with and some of the ones that we don't deal with, is it amazes me that there are some old school thinking of pulling systems back in-house and, you know, running it on old legacy platforms to try and they feel like they can capture the market, which is absolutely the wrong thing to do. The today's uh, ecosystem market is the quality of data you're providing out to your ecosystem partners. So it's sharing, it's more a sharing economy than it is a control economy. And I see this with uh, vendors even today. Large vendors that know better are still trying to control all of the partnerships, all of the transactions. You must use our portal. There is no sharing. And I think they're the dinosaurs that over time are starting to, they're really uh, struggling and they can release new portals and put new shiny names on them and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, if you don't share the data, good, accurate data between all of the parties that need to make that transaction successful, you're never going to get anywhere. And it just, just amazes me we're still having these conversations at some of these very large Fortune 100 companies. So, but my my interest, particularly in this in this channel talks, is looking how um, these actors, let's call them actors. Well, why don't we define the actors? Uh, for me, it's not an as well as; it's an instead of. So, of course, the actors are going to be vendors, distributors, and you know, VARs, systems integrators, things like that. Who else, Alan? Who else are the actors in this ecosystem? Well, I mean, it, it, whenever you look at the definition of an ecosystem, you have to start with a context, right? So, you know. Uh, there are there are a billion ecosystems. There's as many ecosystems as there are individuals because every ecosystem is defined by a context point, usually an individual, a company. So if we if we start by saying let's look at a particular ecosystem, it's more useful because then you can kind of control the variables, right? For example, let's say we're going to look at the ecosystem of Salesforce.com, right? So we have Salesforce.com, the, the vendor who makes software, Salesforce.com, the platform company who makes the environment, Salesforce.com's ISVs. Who build on that uh, platform, Salesforce.com consultants and system integrators who design around them, and Salesforce.com communities that could sit at the Salesforce, could sit at the partner, could sit at the in a developer, could sit um, at a at a customer. So when you look at that combination of of community individuals and entities that surround something, then you can sort of you know come up with a definition. So we can get to a a definition, but those are. The first definition is, you know, a dynamic group of interdependent participants or actors. So I've just kind of defined a, an environment. Um, so that, that, that's who we think when we think about who are the actors. Usually those are the, some of the constituents.
But you've defined it. Perfect. Thank you. Everyone listen, Alan. And Scotty, you're living it. You're living this ecosystem um, and you're seeing new actors come in every day. Apart from who we've mentioned, who, who, who are the ones that, that you're bumping into? Look, I think um, to Alan's point, the SFTC environment or the Amazon Web Services environment, whichever um, uh, underlying platform, my view is that all of those still have to play together. So it's almost a supermarket place. So that's where you've really got to join it all together to bring in your influencers or your resellers or your service providers or whoever's actually engaging with the poor old customer that's trying to sort through not only the infrastructure and SaaS pieces, but actually solve a business problem. So there's always these other parties that may not physically be involved in the transaction, but bolt onto that ecosystem and bring in these other ecosystems to actually get an outcome. Yeah, and yep. we're also seeing, you know, the the, the the analysts or the consultants in this world, like, of course, Alan, um, Jay, uh, Jack from TSIA, and that's why we interview them on this, because we see their influence coming in more and more in that technology purchase decision, even though that they're, trans they're not transactional actors, they're advisory actors that have to work with the transactional actors. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the two other definitions of an ecosystem. So the first one we said, you know, a dynamic group of interdependent participants. The second component is orchestrated to innovate around platforms. Uh, this is a very important one because the the what makes an ecosystem special is there's some degree of orchestration. Not you notice I didn't use the word control. <laughs> that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Orchestration is choice. You don't control have to be orchestrated. Right, exactly. So orchestrated to innovate around a platform. And that's really important because what makes digital ecosystems really interesting is that um, even a services company uh, of R, an MSP, an SI consultant, they still have the ability to innovate around a platform. For example, they can design uh, bespoke services that are unique to a particular use case. That's an innovation. That's IP applied and it creates stickiness. And then what that lets you do is then achieve the third definition of an ecosystem, which is that they deliver customer-centric, modular, interconnected outcomes. Those are all important words. So first word's important because the who breaks the tie to customer? It's got to be customer-centric. Secondly, they have to be modular, which means that there's an interchangeability of parts. And that's really important because um, if the parts are not interchangeable, then it's kind of a loose cabal rather than a tight one. So for example, if I say I'm a VAR who's particularly effective at helping SAP implement their digital supply chain solution, and I'm particularly good in manufacturing, theoretically, uh, there could be another VAR that does that too. And there's a certain interconnection or modularity to that. So we think an ecosystem has all three of these components. Right. All right. Scott, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, look, no, I don't think so. I think, as I alluded to before, it's all of these parties that may not be the core platform parties that are actually impacting these uh, particular deliveries. And, you know, at, at our level as a platform, we're just trying to really connect all of the dots at an operational level. So where are the transactions going? Who belongs to what? When are maintenance or SaaS or whatever contracts are due? So it, it might be you have uh, multiple SAP ISVs in on a particular environment. It's actually connecting those two together to SAP so that no one misses the opportunity to upsell, cross-sell, end of life, um, move them to a different type of operating environment. Um, so it's, it's a perfect story for uh, the platform anyway. 
Yeah, I think you're right, and this is where I want to. I mean, you've both given me occasion to look at something I made up about five minutes minutes ago, which was ecosystem economics, and I just want to frame that a little bit. I mean, you guys will probably know uh, McKinsey's back in 2020. They said by 2025, 30% of global business will be driven by ecosystems, right? Uh, and we're already two years into that, only three to go. Uh, EY also in a study in 2022. Now, I think it was January. Um, um, basically saying that um, ecosystem-based um, uh, business uh, uh, will drive on average one and a half times um, cost reductions and two and a half times incremental re revenue growth. I mean, that's that's pretty phenomenal. I mean, and you're talking about two some high-end high, high organisations from an economic point of view. And Alan, I'm going to quote you, mate. It doesn't matter who takes the order. What matters is who creates the influence. Hmm. All right? And uh, right. I hope I... Yeah. I hope I, I quoted you right uh, in our conversations because ecosystems impact the entire sales funnel, all right? And your yeah. your model uh, proves that. What I liked about what you were talking about, Alan, I'm picking on you, uh, um, is uh, you talk about using the ecosystem to turbocharge or amplify, I would say, uh, your funnel uh, It's uh, as a foundation. It's got that sounds a hell of a lot like lips, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and 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 what you you both talk to in in both your models is that anticipating what's happening in market share that already exists. All right, to be able to yeah. do something. Um, can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, this whole concept of like, uh, uh, if you're a let's just take let's just take the plain old sales rep for a second. Say you're a sales rep at a SaaS company, right? And you're you're battling a thousand other sales reps every single day to try to get the customer's attention. And you have a choice of either going in cold and having a conversation with the customer about your little product and your little feature, or finding a company that's already sold to that company, already knows the ICP, who happens to be a partner of yours that you're integrated with. And you have the opportunity to reach out to that other sales rep and say, would you make a warm introduction for me? And can we go in together with a conversation? Which would you rather do? Like, you know, in, in U.S. basketball analogy, the difference between taking like a half court shot and a layup. Yeah. You know, this is this real basic blocking tackling logic that if you have a group of companies that surround the company you want to work with and you have the opportunity to walk in hand in hand with them, that you have to be, be pretty moronic if you didn't. So that's the that's the easy part. The hard part is like there's a thousand um uh, gusts of wind blowing in the other direction from history, uh, mostly having to do with bad behavior from the past, or let's call it uninspired behavior from the present that yeah. keeps us from turning on those machines. And so the real challenge really is across every line of business and every business, what do we need to do to get out of our own way so that we can be more effective serving the needs of our customer by leveraging the ecosystem that already exists? So that's sort of our, our sort of gestalt on the whole thing. Yeah, and start. Can we extend that to talk about and the market share that already exists as well, and what you do with that market share you're addressing? In other words, the installed base. Well, I think if you take it back a step, um, everything's about churn, right? There's not really any big net new opportunities. Everyone's got IT of some description, or they've sold it with some in some way. So this is all about removing someone else to get in another product, right? So if you look at those ecosystem partners, the, the consultants or the business advisors um, that you want to go hand in hand with, 
you've got to demonstrate the value that they're going to also take out of that customer, I think is a, a key point here. Now, it's not like the old day where you had resellers, you know, just taking a cut of the margin and going in. They want consulting hours or they want some other layer of income on top. There's no, they won't take you in just for nothing. You know, that's not their, that's not how their business operates. So how do you then monetize the influencer piece or the consultant piece or, you know, any of the big four accountant type companies that are going in at that level? You've got to put your arms around that as well. Yeah. And uh, look, Alan, I'm going to uh, throw back on some research that you mentioned as well in terms of retention, um, where you say if you've sold them one product, you've got a 30% chance of retaining in two years. If you've sold them two products, 50% uh, chance of retention. Uh, and if you've sold them three or four, or four, sorry, uh, an 80% chance of retention, which means that you're owning a lot more of that installed base and being able to service that. Um, incidentally, that's almost spot on to the numbers that we're getting from uh, from the platform. Uh, and that, that, that speaks to the urgency. That speaks to the importance. That speaks to this isn't just a movement or a phenomena. This is a reality that's happening right now. And there are actors who are missing out and will miss out on that yep. retention. That is the big message. And it's kind of what I wanted to really achieve in this in this channel talks because a lot of my audience is coming back and saying, yeah, but you know what? My business is still okay and it's all going all right. What's the urgency, Nick? I mean, you just keep talking about this. You're sounding like a consultant and it's like, fuck off. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. I see this shit happening all day, every day. I'm going to get smart people to talk about it and that's what I want to talk about. And I'm, I'm kind of like throwing your research back on you, Alan. I'm throwing your statistics back on you, Scott, and they marry, uh, which means it's true, which ecosystem economics is, is valid and it's real. Without sounding like me getting in trouble uh, last week, well, <laughs> what are you going to say to these naysayers? I mean, they are, we're responsible for them. At the end of the day, we are responsible for their businesses. Yeah, it's a, it's a real interesting question. You know, I, I know that, you know, sometimes because I, I spend most of my time in the SaaS world, uh, there's a little less channel stuff going on. But, you know, I recognize the channels still play a really important a part of the total global economy. And certainly in tech, they're really important. Um, I, I would answer it as follows. I would say, you know, if, if you think that whether you're a VAR, an MSP, a consultant or an ISP, that you are selling a product to a customer, uh, you probably are already looking in the rearview mirror. Right. Of course, everybody has to have a value prop. Of course, everyone has to have functionality and features that offset some pain point and deliver some outcome. That's almost like table stakes. Right. Now, the raise, if I use your you know, ecosystem economics, the raise is to say, how much more value can I create by associating myself with that which surrounds both me and my customer? It's like if there's adjacencies and usually they're always adjacencies. And that's where the value lies. You know, if you're if you're not finding an adjacency and you're trying to do something that's out of your swim lane, then you're probably not being very effective, right? To be effective and efficient, you have to find the thing next to you and the thing next to that and say, if I put that in my basket, do I deliver more value? And and it's interesting because one of the things I would say to the naysayers is that, particularly in the channel world, there's still a tendency to kind of hold on to the big service dollars. You know, there's this feel, this feeling like, you know, I run a professional service organization. Most channel people do as well. You know, yeah, they're not making it on the margin. That's for sure. 
So they're making it on the pro services and the managed services. And there's this tendency to kind of like hold fast to that as if that's the holy grail. But in reality, what digital transformation will continue to do is it will continue to squeeze out the relative service value of any given module. And much in the same way as AI is going to displace jobs, you've got to look at the job you're performing and saying, is this job digital proof? And the only jobs that are going to be digital proof are the ones that connect complexity. So if you're selling a product and you're not putting those other things in the basket, what's happening is you're not protecting your business. You're not safeguarding your business. Not only are you losing the upside upsell, but you're also losing the competitive sustainability because as soon as those services dollars get squeezed, your cash flow is going to get squeezed. So you have to buffet your business with adjacencies that can create more complex solutions, end-to-end solutions that will allow you to sustain yourself as digital continues to squeeze the each unit's relative professional service envelope smaller and smaller and smaller. And by the way, that's the reason I think there's going to be a renaissance for the channel because all these integrations out there are creating a, a new, I'll be interested in your point on this, Scott, a new basis of distribution. The basis of distribution used to be proximal, you know, pick back ship credit. Now the basis of distribution is moving to a digital connectivity, integrations, data flow, workflow. But no one of these vendors, right, can do it because they're still focused on their swim lane. But the channel can go across the swim lane. It always has. But it's always gone across the swim lane on a physical proximal basis. Now it needs to go across the swim lane on a digital basis. And that's the opportunity. That's why... If you're not putting other things in your basket, it's going to be a very uh, uh, hard discussion when you go home and you bring home like one cookie for eating Yeah, and not going to fill up the family. <laughs> Need more groceries, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, oh, totally, totally. Scotty, I mean, you see this. Well, uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I bring it down to the, the basics, which to your groceries analogy is the reason you go to a grocery store is it's you know, very difficult to grow all of them yourself in the environment you're in. So you're using the value. But if, if you as an organization don't save your customers something or make them something or both is the optimum way to do it, they're not going to deal with you. And that's where I think the shift in distribution is, is, is getting them to understand or the channel at large, getting them to understand that the expertise in putting a whole bunch of network equipment in is a dime a dozen. I mean, people are now putting that sort of stuff in at home. You don't need that high level expertise, but to integrate a solution that's going to give you a business outcome that potentially is going to join your customer's ecosystem to the customer, that's a whole different game. And I can see the resellers that um, in particular or service providers that we're dealing with, you can see the ones that are lifting and the ones that are, they're doing the same thing they were doing five, 10 years ago. And the ones that are lifting are accelerating their growth, whereas the other ones are stagnant or or starting to sort of drop off. 